Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Puzzling Company. Zach, how are you today? I'm doing great, Jared. How are you? I, 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 I'm going to throw a dose of reality in there for everybody yeah. today. Um, this is one of those times when I'm recording and I'm super thankful that we get to record, but uh, life has not been kind yeah. in recent weeks, and I am reminded of how good of medicine a game can be to relieve you from kind of the harsh realities that we all experience in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. I know we were talking a little bit before the episode and you've had some stuff going on. I've had some stuff going on, but man, it feels good to just forget all about that for the next hour and just talk about some of the things that we enjoy. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. So if you're out there listening and you've got a lot of junk going on in your life, like we do, we're with you. Let's play a puzzle together sometime and uh, just let those things slip away for an hour or so because mm. they'll always be there. But, man, it just feels good to just even talk about puzzles. I yeah. love it. And we don't want that to be a downer. Today we're actually talking about probably one of the longer series that we've played. Yes. Which is Independence. Independence Day Killer. Independence Day Killer. I almost called it just Independence Day. Like <laughs> Independence we're going, Day. We're going for an alien theme here. Uh, the Independence Day Killer, and this is the the first season of A Killing Affair. But yeah, let's jump on in. Excited to talk about it. All right, Zach. Pick a card, any card. Dude, we are supposed to be doing an ad right now. Okay, I know. Just, just be cool, Zach. You know I always wanted to be a magician. I don't think this is the right time or medium for a magic trick. But okay, I've picked a card. Okay, look at it and don't tell me what it is. And how's the audience going to know what card this is? Just just be cool, man. I just got this new Enigmas card deck, and I just wanted to show you a new trick I've been working on. Oh, Jared. I'm sure your trick's going to be great, but there's something you don't know about that deck. <laughs> okay. I see what's happening. Uh -huh. Yeah, okay. What? You think you're a better magician than me. You think you know more about this deck of cards than I do. You're trying to heckle me and usurp the great Jared Zini. Jared, Jared, Jared. Well, I did back the project on Kickstarter and I've been playing the puzzle game hidden inside. There's actually a full puzzle hunt you can discover. I imagine you got those over at davidquongmagic.com. Nice try, Zach, but a magician never reveals his secrets. Magician's code. Well, if you're looking for an amazing experience from a real magician... I'm sitting right here. Then head over to davidquongmagic.com and pick up Enigma's Puzzle Hunt playing cards. Welcome back, everybody. As I mentioned in our intro, we are talking about Season 1 of A Killing Affair today. And we spoke about this on another one of our episodes, but this is kind of our initial diving point into a lot of the crime-themed games that's a a way to say it. That's like the most minimum way to say it. I guess we, there's a pool full of them. Yes. And we just put our toe in. That's, that's Maybe yes, maybe dive was a strong word. <laughs> We're going in hard, baby. <laughs> We're going in. Because there are, and uh, that's actually something you and I are going to be talking about in our second section. I know you don't know that yet. Oh, no. But uh, we're super excited that this is uh, the game series that we decided to kind of dive into the crime series. And I guess we always do. We're just going to jump in and start talking about what we really liked and where we felt like there was some room for improvements. So, Zach, kick us off. A Killing Affair, tell us a little bit about what players should expect from a game like this and what you really liked off the bat. Okay. So, um, A Killing Affair is a murder mystery box set. Uh, so, you are trying to solve a crime over multiple boxes the season itself. So, for season one, it is five boxes, if I'm not mistaken, yes. that you are trying to solve the independent state killer. I thought it was really well done. Um, the first thing I will say that I really enjoyed was the narrative revelations that you have in the game. What do you mean by that? So there are points in this game that it is a murder mystery. So you are trying as a detective to figure out what's going on. Okay. Right? So 
you know, you are getting, so you, like the first box, right? You get basically introduced to what's going on, but you have no idea what, like what's about to unfold. You just get introduced to basic characters, you know, some small events and how the first crime happened. Yes. And then at the end of the first episode, it goes, hey, which I, I actually like this as well. This is in, involved with the narrative is that after the first three episodes, you get an envelope that kind of hints to where the next one's going to, or gives you small narrative information. Yes. It goes, hey. This is a uh, very interesting article you should read because it might be contradicting something that you read earlier or give you more information about why this is all adding up. Absolutely. So like there's just moments like that where it felt like at small points the narrative kept building, which was fun, but it was never just instantly revealing where I was like, oh, I figured out who it was from episode one. Yeah, it's not Scooby-Doo. Correct. Yeah, you uh, we joked uh, and we won't spoil any part of who it is or anything like that, obviously. But we joked about who we thought the killer would be a little bit over, you know, but we guessed like all of them in their own ways. But when we did find out, I thought it was really good timing. You don't find out who it is too early. You could guess, right? Like anyone. Sure. But they do a good job of kind of keeping it hidden until you get to a certain part where it gives you like a first big hint that you're like, oh, this person has a lot of motivation. Mm. Uh, and then after that, it the next episode, like pretty much proves it and then the final episode is you like confirming and seeing all the reasons why it makes sense yes uh but i mean the narrative i jared i don't know if you agree or disagree but i thought the narrative was really fun and uh there was a lot of it over the entire five yeah i enjoyed it because um one of the things that i think they did really well in that respect is you don't meet the full cast until like the third or fourth box, right? Mm -hmm. Like every episode you're being introduced to new characters that potentially could be your killer. Yes. Also, there is an obviously a new sus or a new uh victim. Yes, a new victim every episode, which could have been one of the characters that you met in a previous episode because one one of the, and I don't think this is a spoiler, every game is happening in a new year. Yeah. yeah, so this series, the Independence Day Killer, it starts off with the first killing happening for this series. This isn't like a spoiler. It's the first box. The first one happens in, I think, 2014. Yes. And then it's every year, 2014, 2015, and then every year. Yeah. yeah. And then every year after that, the every box after that is the year after it, and yes. someone new, which I agree. There were some good points where it was someone entirely new. Or, like, one of the fun things we found is, you know, a character will talk about someone. We're like, well, we haven't met this person yet. Yeah, like, who are we talking about? And then, and like, in, I think for an example, we, in, like, episode three or episode four, we finally met them. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is who we're talking about. And then something happens, and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> we finally meet them, but this happens now. So you're like, okay, this is, this is fun. But I do agree with you. Um, one of the things that I enjoyed a lot is at the very end of the game, they clue you into some Easter eggs that could have helped you solve the mystery a little bit quicker. And I enjoyed that we didn't pick up on all of them. Oh, agreed. I, I told the creators that when I did the interview with them, actually, it was fun getting to talk about that. Cause I was like, Jared will tell you this. I, when we played it, I looked at something and I was like, this looks really familiar to something else, but I just couldn't make that connection. Yes. And then the moment that they, at the end of the game, they have like a really cool recap section when you complete the game that kind of explains those things. And it goes, Hey, like if you look at this, you know, uh, however, you know, you'll find something. And I did, and I went, Oh my gosh, it literally is the thing that I thought I kept seeing, yes. you know? So that was really fun to have those narrative like reveals where you're like, Oh my gosh, it all makes sense. And how did I not notice that little hint, you know, almost that was there the entire time. Yes. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll take that into our second thing because, which is the puzzling aspect of what we had to go through. Mm -hmm. And you can agree or disagree with me on this, but every time that I know we're going to be playing a crime game, because we've dabbled in some other series have like a crime episode, sure. but they're not a crime series. Yeah. Uh, I always think, okay, I'm turning on my deductive reasoning yeah. where I don't have to do that as much in a lot of the other games that we're playing. But I was thoroughly pleased to see that there was puzzling beyond deductive reasoning and that it was used in very creative and narrative appropriate ways. Yes. So there's a lot of code breaking and they I felt like they gave good reason to that code breaking. And I just really thought that that was a lot of fun because there are some games in the crime series that it is, you know, a hundred percent deductive reasoning yeah, and it's, and it feels more like that, but this game, 
I think in the creators readily recognized, we're not just going to go that route. We're going to give people a variety of things to solve through. And I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Like it felt more well-rounded than some of the other things that we've experienced because they were willing to toy with. And they did a good job, like I mentioned, of saying like, how can we point something and fix something? And like an example of that is you're constantly getting these cryptic notes from the killer. Yes. And they're in a symbol language that you don't have a whole lot to go on with. Yeah. Um, And so that was a lot of fun to see like, okay, now I can use a different part of my brain other than let's read through a police report. Let's see what doesn't add up. Let's Sherlock Holmes this thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, between that riddles and online like code breaking part, I mean, there's, there was a lot of variety to the type of puzzles, which was fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, And what did you like last of all, Zach, bring us home on this section. Uh, I will say the thing that we liked as well would be the personalized gift they give you. So at the end of the game, we got inside the final box, if I'm not mistaken, there's a gift that is personalized to you. Correct. And where you're from. So like we got a little, I think it's a little keychain that has a, it has like Tennessee on it with the killing affair, which I thought was really nice. And that's like a really kind thing to do for like your customer. And I think it goes a long way to just show like that little appreciation gift that you can send to someone, especially if it, I mean, you know, that thing is nice. I can put it on my keychain. It's really good quality too. It wasn't like a, you know, I'm not saying like in a way that like if you got like some really cheap gas station one, you know what I mean? But like that, you can clearly tell they put effort into making or making that or buying that for you. And you're like, that's really, that's really, we appreciate that a lot. And and I feel like they did that with a couple of other items too. They gave us notepads and black lights and magnifying glasses. They give you almost everything to solve it yourself. And they even give you a, uh, which I want to add, this was the cipher book. Yes. Yes. Talk about that. Yeah. So they give you a cipher book that explains every cipher. I think that is actually in the game, which was funny enough because uh, we saw it in the beginning of the game and then we never used it. Yes. But I won't say. But we are familiar. Correct. Yes. But it was funny because I went, Oh, like I forgot this book even existed after like the fourth box. Um, and I was like, but I looked at it a lot and I thought it was really well done. It's just a simple book that explains every cipher that's in the game and gives like an example and shows it. And I was like, that's, that's really nice to like a new customer too, just to show like, Hey, like if you're not experienced, you don't have to feel like you have to research a million things. Yes. It gives you all the tools that you need pretty quickly. Yes. And, and, and we've talked about that in a couple other games, like shout out to Enigma Emporium did that with wish you were here. Yes. We we've seen that um, in a in a Enigma Fellowship too. Yep. Um, in their third episode, did that, and I just like that because it does. Like, if there's one platform that I feel like I'm always staying on is like just make it accessible. The more accessible this is, the more a broad range of people I feel like feel like they can be successful. And I think a Killing Affair did a good job with that. Agreed. All right. Well, let's take us into our section where we talk about where we feel like there could be some room for improvement. And I'll kick us off here. I talked about puzzles in the section uh, er earlier, thought it was a great variety. The one thing I felt like needed some room for improvement is on some of the things where we would do something of our code breaking, code deciphering, whatever you want to call it, they were long processes. (laughs) I'm thinking of a specific instance, and I believe it was either box one or two, that I felt like I spent the majority of the game going through while you solved the rest of the game. And yeah. and I got to the end and I said, Zach, I got this. And you're like, that's awesome. And you're like, and I got this and I got this and I got this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think creators just need to be careful about balancing. It was nice that we had multiple things to work on, but the one that I'm thinking of was in an email and it, oh, was, yeah. it was just a lot to get through. And I've, we've talked about this in other games, but I, I just think if you're going to give me a super long process and I know, oh, hey, I've figured out the decoding element, so I've solved the puzzle, and now I have the process to do, give me a way where I can just jump ahead if that's not my thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise it just becomes very cumbersome and I'm missing out on doing other parts of the game while I'm having to work through this. Yeah, oh, I agree. I think another thing that could be a room for improvement is the like reuse of some of the items or that they use them more. So what I mean by that is that there are a few items that you get early on in the game. And to be clear in this game, and it very clearly tells you this, you will use items and hints and narratives, 
pieces from box one all the way to box five. Yeah. You will need to keep it. The part that can be frustrating at times, though, at least in my opinion, is that you it is not clear what things you potentially will need. And I think that's can be fun in some aspects because it requires you to figure out what you will need again. Yes. But the issue was that there were just a lot of items that you didn't really need again after a point. And then the other parts that you did, it like it came out of nowhere they needed them again. I agree. So like one example is that there's something you in box one you use in box one, you never use it again until box five. And then I was just like, okay. Like and, <laughs> and the only reason I, I guessed it was that I was like, oh, it's this thing that clearly looks like something needs to be involved with it because I don't see anything. So then I tested it out and it worked. And I was like, okay, which is fine. I think that's like if that's the goal is that it's supposed to be kind of like a surprise almost. But it just felt it, it felt like for a game that kept telling me that I'll need things more often than not to play over different games, I didn't use some of them enough. Yes. And then some things I used a lot more than I expected, which mostly was narrative-based. Yes. Um, so I think some of those items, if they found a way to use them more or present them more uniquely throughout certain other episodes. Because, like I said, I think it's just weird going sometimes from episode one to episode five and not using the item. Yes. No, I agree. And there's so much too, right? Like they didn't, um, they didn't go on the short end of giving you things in the box to work through. Yeah. So by the time you hit episode five and you've got four other boxes of stuff that you're working through, the questionability of what you need again is difficult. Yeah. Um, obviously you're going to use information, yes. but in terms of physical items that may need to be repeated upon, it, it became this bigger question every episode of like, okay, we're stuck. Is it because we're stuck and we're just missing a piece of information within this box? Or do we need to go back to box two or one? And yes, I think the word that we're looking for is some consistency. Mm-hmm. Like if every episode we're using one thing from the box before, and that's just subjective, but it was. It felt like they did a really good job on the front end of telling us this is going to happen, but then it didn't really happen that often. Yeah, and I think I when I when we talked to the creator about it, I think they said that w- we had completed it basically in what two like two afternoons. We played like the first two episodes in the yes. same day, and then we played the last three all together. Yes, um, we we did it in a pretty good time compared to I think to most people, um, which plays into a little bit. Uh, but I think. Where I'm going off that is I think that some of the elements, we just saw them so quickly that it reminded us. But the, the other part I'd find really intriguing, though, is if you played it over a longer period of time, how you would remember to use some of those items again. Like, I think one of the lucky parts is that because we played them so back to back that it, it helped us a little bit. But yes. also, we you know, but I will say, and this is my only critique or our devil, devil's advocate for our own point is that there's actually one really good example of using items from the beginning of the game again at the very end of the game. There's a part that you need to confirm some things, and the way to get that is basically going through every old box. Yes. and it, But, it, you know, it almost signposts you that, like, hey, you should do this. Yes. And it gives a good way of explaining it. And I really like that. And then there were some times where that was done in the game, but then, like, our whole point is that there are points that it clearly doesn't tell you that. So you're right. just like, oh. Got to figure that out. Yeah, you're like I said. Are we stuck, or should we go yeah. back a box? But I will say they they were they're really good about this. About uh, they give us stickers so we could make sure we knew big, which box, box was, was which. which. So yeah. they're doing some things to counteract that. But we think there's still just a little more room for growth in there. Mm-hmm. And in our last point that we want to talk about, I think this could almost be an interesting room for conversation um, because this does bring in some business aspects of it as well. Is a killing affair offers this. The entire game is over five boxes. Yes. You can choose to buy all five or you can choose to just buy one, see how it goes and move forward. But one of the, one of the things that I noted after we finished box one is I said, I don't know that I would have enjoyed that as just that box alone. You have an objective within each box, which is, each box kind of ends with you proving the innocence of a certain number of potential suspects. Mm-hmm. But after we finished box one, I thought as a standalone game, like if we just treated the first box in the series as a standalone game, I didn't feel like it was enough. Agreed. I think the over the boxes, and obviously this is part of the narrative and it makes sense. I think the boxes get way stronger as it goes on. I agree with that. Yes. 
just just in in every aspect. Like I think the puzzles got better. I think the narrative. Obviously, it makes sense that the narrative kept revealing itself, so it felt more impactful when you get yes. to the end. But I think there are points in the, in the very first box that were. I could yeah I could agree if you played it by itself you would be like okay I don't know if I really want to play another episode if it if it's only if you only bottom is one right I agree like is that is that what I'm gonna get out of every box it's hard because I'd almost say you would need to buy the first two because after the first after the second box is when we went okay this is where it's starting to build yes like it's starting to build faster yes and then three was like the first episode that like for us is when we figured out who the killer was, or at least we started really kind of narrowing it down for us. I was like, Oh, this is where the real fun begins. Yes. And then that was a blast. So I I think, uh, yeah, I agree. If you only, if you were to buy, this as just one box and you bought episode one, there's a chance people wouldn't buy it again. Like buy, wouldn't buy the next one. And, and, but, but there's a dichotomy in that. Sure. Because, and you and I talked about this earlier, from a business standpoint, it's like, you just, it, it's kind of like, you got a taste. Yes. Like, oh, agreed. Did I, did I give you enough? Because you don't want to give everything away in the first box unless that's the whole game, right? Sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting back here and I'm like, well, okay, it's not supposed to give you everything, but did it give us enough to where I would want to play the second box? Mm-hmm. And I think while we're mentioning this in Room for Improvement is... And this is, I think this is for any game that happens in a series is I think you've got to give people enough of a reason in that first box to want to pick up your second box. Agreed. Lead not with the greatest game of all, but lead with just like a really, really strong game that leaves your player wanting more. And I, and I felt like after box one, not after the entire series, I enjoyed the entire series, but I felt like after box one, I felt like, is that all we're going to do every episode? Because it didn't feel satisfying enough after box one. Agreed. I think one of the things that would be interesting to know or like, and I don't have a perfect answer for this, right? Because I'm not the creator. But I, what I find interesting is what what they could have done in the first episode to make it more impactful that you'd want to play it. Like, and, or like, you know, want to continue off just one box. And I was like, my only suggestion maybe, or what I thought of, is that you really can't change all the stuff you gave. Cause like you say, you can't just give them everything in the first episode. But I think if you gave them almost the narrative hits of episode two and episode one, cause I think the narrative hints in episode two aren't crazy, but are enough that you go, okay, like, you know, the first episode's kind of like not as big of hinty because, right, because you're just trying to learn characters right. it's and stuff. Like, it's like setting the scene. Setting the scene. And then episode two is where you start actually getting hints of like, okay, things are bigger than you're noticing. Yeah. And I think if somehow they were able to make that narrative hit hit in the first episode, then I would have been like, oh. So maybe that, that's more hard. like maybe leaving us on a twist. Or, or like a bigger, or like on a big, like a cliff or something yeah, like that, which I, I think is hard. I, that's not something easily to accomplish in a, in a five series thing they do on episode one. Yes. So I think we're, it's an, it's a thing that you're asking for a lot, but I think that's what you need something bigger almost to entice people like to, to, if they only bought one box to move to the, all yes, the other boxes. to move to the other boxes. Yeah. So I think there, I think there are room for improvement, but overall, like we said, once we once you get into the meat of this mystery and you are understanding what you're receiving every time because there is some consistency to that mm-hmm. um it was it was kind of fun it was it was uh it was really enjoyable to uh buy box four it's like okay you take the case file I'll take the objects yep and uh, we're kind of kind of going at it but overall I I think this is really enjoyable if you're a crime fan. I say definitely give a killing affair a chance. Agreed. It may be your vibe. It may not be your vibe. And we're in the midst of playing some other games, and it's fun to see how different people are approaching these type of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all we've got for this section. Hang around. We're coming back with Puzzles to the People here in a second. Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People. Zach, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about the robbery at your house last night. Are you okay? I'm fine. But Jared, literally no one broke into my house last night. But I do feel a little upset because you did stand me up for game night. Okay. Your text literally reads, break in tonight, exclamation point. Jared, that's literally the name of the game. It's a really cool new concept where you're trying to solve puzzles to break into the game instead of out of it. 
All their games follow really cool narratives about real-life places. We really should have people check it out in our show notes to get details on where they can pick up this game. So it's called Break In? Yes, it's Breaking In, not Breaking Out. I'm sorry. It's okay. Well, welcome back, guys, to Puzzling Company. We are now in the section that is called Puzzles to the People. In this section, this is kind of a an area where uh, Jared or myself kind of ask questions to each other, and we kind of go back and forth and discuss certain topics or questions that are either asked by, like, the community or Jared likes to spice it up. A lot. Love the spice. I know you do. And ask me questions uh, that I'm never prepared for. So this will be a blast to see. I, I'm By his face, you can't see it, it's the chuckle. I am assuming you have questions prepared for me that you have created. Oh, absolutely. Oh, geez. No fill in the blank this time. No. no okay, good. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad with that, actually. All right. So I want to, I in this section, dive in. As we mentioned, we're going to be on a little bit of a kick in the crime world. But I want to talk about that. And my first question to you is, in your opinion, what is so engaging about the crime genre? Because I think if you looked at the world that we cover, a high percentage of it is crime games. It could be, you know, crime is a very broad theme, but Mm -hmm. why is that? Why is crime so engaging of a genre, especially in the puzzling world? It's an interesting question. I think there are two points to it, and I could be wrong, obviously. I think one of the first points is that it, it's a deductive reasoning style. I think people like playing the detective and trying to figure out and puzzle all the pieces together and go like, okay, well, why would this person be motivated to do this? And I know that's like with like TV shows specifically, and I'm not talking about like puzzles, but I just know like people like that aspect of like trying to figure out the murder. I think the other part is that the narrative point of these types of games is more... Um, I would, I don't know the right word. I'm going to say emergency, but almost like you have to solve it quicker. You feel like it's more on the line. Urgency. Urgency. Yes, yes. correct. Urgency is a, is a great word for that. But the urgency for these types of games is just all time high. You know, you're going into a thing and it's like, people are dying. You must figure out what's going on yes. now. Yeah. You know, and you're like, okay, now time for me to do my Jimmy Neutron uh, <laughs> think or like play my Sherlock Holmes you know, detective, you know, detective style games. And I think people enjoy that puzzle of trying to figure out who did it and why. And I think a lot of games do it well, where they make you feel like detective. You're gathering info, you sit there, you go through and you go, oh, I found this weird thing that someone said that isn't consistent with this. And then you go, aha. And then, you know, you start going down the rabbit holes. Yes. And I also think, and I've said this in in another episode, one of my favorite things is that moment where I almost have that Scooby-Doo moment where I go, oh, and then it's that whole like rabbit hole of me going, well, if this happened, what about this guy? And then this guy did it, you know, I I think people like that a lot in those types of games. I agree with you. I think there's also an element of it that it is realistic. Yes. Because in so many of the other games and I'm looking around at them like crime just feels so close to home. Yes. To us, because we see it regularly, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Some of us have experienced crime. Uh, and it just feels like, oh, this this could really happen. Like, this, this hits close to home. Because in some of the other games, very rarely are, you know, m- mystical organizations contacting us to help break these earth-shattering revelations. And, you know, you kind of get to do things that you never would get to do in a million years. But, like... I have friends that are police officers that are federal agents that are different yeah. things. So it's like, I wonder if people enjoy this so much because it is so real. But you're telling me you haven't gone to the like one uh, Alice in Wonderland and gone around and hung out with the cards? I mean, if you're holding out some type of real true experience for me, I'm going to be pretty pissed right now. I'm not going to lie to you. You'll have to find out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, but I, I'm just, I really want to dig into more of the psychology of why do we like this stuff so much? Yeah, I like, agree. Why, I, it, it's always blown my mind because I feel like this is, I, I find hilarious, but my mom loves like crime yes. shows and movies. And I, I know there's a lot of podcasts that people love talking about them. And it, I've never, I mean, I like those shows because I think it is interesting watching how that plays out. But I've always been so intrigued by people like love it. Like yes. people just watch you know, uh, like criminal minds or something like all of the time. Yes. 
And I, and I think another interesting point is you have to look at it from the level of immersion that you get. So that, like, if you look at it, the farthest away from this is like, let's talk about like a real crime. Sure. Right. People have podcasts about real crime mm-hmm. and the evidence is as far away from you as it can be. You're hearing things second nature, but at the same time, you're, you're working through things mm-hmm. in your head. Then if you think about like a TV show, you're a little bit closer, right? Because you're getting to see things that different characters see. You have more pieces of it. But I think the reason it's so successful and so engaging in this is because you have it all. Correct. You're the one who gets to play with all yes, that information. Yes, and, and, and I think it's like something people have been dying to do for as long as crime can be read about in like a newspaper is we're curious human beings. And now I have all the information and I get to be the one that puts it together. It's thrilling. Yeah, it's it so much fun. I mean, it's it's one of the reasons I think that like Hunt a Killer is one of the most successful companies that we have in our space is let me feed you the opportunity that you've been waiting for all of these years, watching all of these TV shows where you're a screen away, even though you may be yelling at the screen the whole time. It was the butler. It was the butler. It's always the butler. But now you take it out of the hands of the investigators on the television. You're the investigators and it's everything we've been waiting for yeah. for as, as long as this medium has been in existence. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so fun. All right. Now I want to, I want to dive in a little bit more. You mentioned this at the answer to your first, but I want to dive into specifically deductive reasoning. Mm-hmm. Let's take it. Let's take that apart from crime, which I know that is hard. Why, why is that so fun? Why is that? Um, and, and it seems like it plays better in crime than it does in some of the other games, even though I've seen it used in other games. Why do we like deductive reasoning as, as puzzle people? Ooh, okay. I think people like it because it involves you thinking about it on multiple levels to try to correlate pieces of information. It's almost like a it's its own test of you figuring out and gathering info, but then layering it on top of each other to see if it makes sense. That was beautifully said. Like I, I think that's one of my favorite parts is when you give me a bunch of info and then it's my job to go, okay, why does this make sense? But this doesn't here, mm. you know? And like you said, we do this with other ones where there are logic puzzles that are kind of like not the same, but almost where you're, you're given info and you're like, okay, well, if that's true, then this isn't, you know, right. or if someone goes, yeah, I'm, I was at the scene of the crime and there's a picture showing they were, but the other person said they also were. And you're like, okay, well, they clearly weren't, you know, like, and then you also have information of this person doing this, you know, at this time, you know, you start, it's that fun trick in your head where you start mapping it out. And you go, okay, now it's time for me to really figure out, well, if they're there, then they really can't be at this location this time. But if this person's doing this, then their their motive would be here. I think that, like you said, that multi-layering of uh, information is fun to try to solve. Yes. And I would also argue, I think it's a type of reasoning that we use more often than we realize. Yeah. It's very familiar. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think when you amplify that what you get to use something that you're familiar with, then it just becomes like a little more fun. You're like, oh, yeah. I, I do this every day. A lot of us use deductive reasoning in our home lives, work lives, and it's fun to get to put that to use to something that is maybe whimsical versus our job. Agreed. Um, but I liked what you said about the layering. I think that's I think that's really insightful because. It's not just a single linear strain. It's got depth. It's got a lot of different moving pieces. What matters? What doesn't matter? What's true? What's not true? That's what these games are all about. Yes. And it's fun to, to play a part of that. All right. Now I'm going to flip this on its head for you. Okay. What are some of the shortcomings of the crime genre, in your opinion? I think um, uniqueness. I think at some point you run out of, you kind of run into the same story over and over. And I I think obviously you can find ways of making that narrative hit different, but uh, you know, I haven't played many crime solvers yet. So I really have no actual opinion in this space yet, but I know from like shows and stuff, right. There's a, there's tons of different crimes, which I think is the unique part Yes, that you can make that bill. But at the end of the day, it's this, it's almost like, my issue with movies and shows like them is at the end of the day, the formula is the same. It's just a different act. Yes. If that makes sense. Like you, you know, when you watch criminal minds, 
like how the show's going to go. And obviously that's different. That's a show. But it, what I mean is that that crime solver-esque thing is the same thing over and over again. It's just now a new crime with different information and how it's presented. Yes. But generally it ends the same way of you being – you getting information, you figuring out who's right or wrong, you solving it, and then you winning. Yes. You know, and that's it. There's – you know, now – there could be games where you potentially lose, and I think that would be an interesting aspect and stuff like that. But you just, I think the formula is the same, if I had to guess, in most. You, you know, like that same style or timeline of how events unfold is yes. the same. Um, I think I think that's really it, though. I think the uniqueness part of, like, the different types of crimes and other things can be done well. Um but yeah, I don't, I don't, can't think of anything else. No, I agree with you. I, I think that the formula does repeat itself quite a bit. And in, I think an area that television crime versus game crime has an advantage is when you watch a crime show, if you're going to watch more than just one, right? Like anybody can sit down and watch just one. Sure. But if you're going to, if you're going to stick to a series, like one of my favorite is psych. Yep. I love psych. Um, but what I found is I'm watching this for Sean and Gus. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily watching this for the m- multi-narrative ways that they are telling this. It's, Oh, Sean and Gus solve a kidnapping. Sean and Gus solve a murder. Sean and Gus solve this, this, and this, and they are the factor that keeps me coming back. But when you're the main character bringing it back to a game, then all that's that can be really messed with is the narrative and the formula a little bit. So after a while, I'm wondering if uh, if this genre becomes for people that have played so many of it does it does it just become dull? Like because there's this other fantastical world um, that we're gonna that we get to play with where you can kind of bend the rules, but for this it just feels so static. Sometimes yeah, it's, it's on you. You. I think one of the interesting part with the other types of games is that you get introduced characters that play more into it that aren't you. Yes. And I agree. I think to the point that like at some point it's only, and I'm not saying it's true for every series, but you know, at the end of the day, you're the detective. Correct. At some point you're the only person that narratively is the one solving it. You might have help right in the series. Like there might be like another detective who's technically giving you the information that you're trying to solve. But you're you're the Sherlock Holmes, so like at some point you really you're not getting anything new character wise for yourself. You you know you might learn, but you know it's not like you're watching like you said a TV show where you see that character development and you get other parts where you're like, okay, I like watching the show because I like watching Sherlock do it. Yes, you know I'm not really I, you know you like the crime part, but you're like really more watching to see how he deals with it. Yes, and you don't unfortunately you get that to some degree when you play him because you get to experience it, but you don't. But it's not the same. You you don't get to watch someone else do it almost. Like I like when I, like when we play games. One of the fun parts is like when I I would in my opinion would be when I watch Jared try to solve things because it's watching I'm, his brain tick. I'm right? glad I'm so entertaining for you. You know, and it's, it's a, he'll say the same for me. Like there's moments where I just go like he he notices my my eureka moments where I go oh okay this all adds up and then he sees me run over to my computer and grab my post and notes and I start writing down a bunch of information because it just it clicks. Like, I think that's one of the, one of the most interesting parts when you play with other people in any type of game. And even, I think even more in crime solvers is when they start making those connections and you can see the light bulb flick on. Yeah, I agree. I I think that's a really good point. The only other shortcoming of the genre that I can think of, and I think this applies directly to at home crime games is going back to deductive reason is they sometimes do just lean wholly on that. Yeah. And that's fine because that is the natural form of information processing and eliminating that we're going through. Mm -hmm. But just to give a shout out to a killing affair, I was glad to see a variation of puzzles well used in the form of the narrative. Agreed. But But just in dealing with some of the other ones that we've had just like an episodic crime, not like a series of crime, it does feel like you are relying too heavily on deductive reasoning sometime with not enough information. And I feel like that's where the genre can get a little stale. I could also make that point towards normal crime, like in other shows and other medias of crime. I think one of the, like, I'm, this is, this is a really far-fetched analogy, but I'm, I'm going to go like Batman and I'm going to go the Riddler. 
What's okay, what, okay. Okay, one of the most interesting parts of him, right, is it's not just that he's just a criminal. It's more that the the test that he gives Batman, that's the fun part to watch. Like him deducting that it, it is the Riddler sure. is simple. It's going to happen. But it it's him testing him like it's it's almost like in the in the shows or in the movies and stuff where you get like a mastermind that you don't know their identity and they just send you a bunch of tests and it's like you trying to figure out who it is but it's the test that you have to solve first yes what is what i like about these games is that there are puzzles that help to give you information hints like that you're trying to figure out who the riddler is you know in a batman's saying you know i think some of the best villains are ones that aren't just deductive reasoning they give you hints and like puzzles to try to solve to help. like they they want you to figure out who it is cuz that's their fun in it is that they're like i'm the bad guy you must figure out who i am almost but i'm going to give you like that, small things to point you towards that i i think that's a great point because we love the villain in crime yes and that didn't happen necessarily in what we played in independence day killing well, not in every crime do you like the villain. Right, but, but that that but, is the element that we co- like. Correct. In most, I'm going to, you know, this isn't the same thing, but like superhero or any type of those shows, you enjoy the villain because you like the chaos they bring, but also they usually have a reasoning. Yes. So like why you like Thanos and the Avengers, or if you like the the Joker, the Riddler. Sure, or you y- know, yin and yang. And or sign. yin and yang. Yeah, like yeah. there's that fun of knowing the opposite and figuring out like why they do it and like the fun they have and trying to present, you know, I think one of my favorite versions of that is, I think it's, oh, what's that movie called? The one with Bruce Willis. Is it unstoppable? Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Okay. So in unbreakable, like Mr. Glass presenting himself and showing all like the small pieces is like one of my favorite things that other shows do, but it's that like you get a hero, you know, and then you learn about the villain. They show you why you don't like them. But at the same time, you like that because you, you like seeing the tests and the things that point at him like, ha I'm the bad guy. Yes. Good luck finding me. You know, and it's not particular to a killing affair specifically in this season. Um, Cause I don't know, maybe season two or season three has, they more, ha- of a, has more of a, like a, a villain. Sure. Um, which I don't think these really are supposed to have, but it's, it's interesting. It is interesting because as when you yourself are the protagonist, Mm-hmm. then for the most part of it, the game ahead of you is the antagonist. Yes. But it it will be interesting to see if other people adapt to, and we, we've seen this in other games, not like, oh, we've just invented this new thing, the, like yeah. this villain antagonist. But it is an interesting point because then when things become a test and not just a crime to hide, that kind of opens up the door of what you can do with the genre a little bit. Yeah. All right, last question for you. Should we think or treat games in the crime genre differently than we think about tabletop escape games? No. I I think they still fit in the same space of like how you look at them. I think just like any of the games, you have to look at every game on their own level. Just because, I mean, you know, shout out to all these games, but like playing, you know, um, Soup is very different from playing Runes of Odin. Sure. You know, Um playing that versus playing you know enigma fellowships second episode the scattered cards is different from you know doing like they're all they're in the same space right but they're all very different you know you might obviously have some elements that are the same because they are tabletop or at home experiences yes but you can compare them and talk about them because they are all trying to achieve the same goal of giving you an experience that you can play at home that has an entertainment value that you can't get like you know, you I can't go to a magical world currently and try to solve, you know, a crime. I can't go to the, you know, to South America and try to find a professor in the, you know, in the jungles and learn a life lesson. No, you could. I could. <laughs> I could. I could set that up if I want to. Um, but you know, like I'm currently not doing that. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's interesting because I feel like I personally have that issue at times that when we talk about games, we very distinctly like almost make groups of different mm, types of games. Like when yes. we, we're talking about at home, like, well, there's all the crime solvers. Yes. Not like in a bad way, but you, you almost go like, you almost instinctively go, okay, I'm going to separate things into categories and then they're their own thing, but they're technically in the space. Right. And that's what I'm getting at is like, it feels like we do treat you know, the killing affairs, the hunt killers, anything that has un- unsolved case files, which we'll be reviewing in the next couple of months. You, and there's a lot of others too. Sure. 
but it, it do it does feel like okay if we're a genre then that's one subgenre and they all kind of fit into this box and then there's these games and they fit into this box and and I think it's just because of the similarities whether it's in marketing or gameplay but I agree I think you got to kind of take it at face value of what each game is trying to present you agreed I think the other part is I think it's human nature that we try to organize things we it feels like you know, and you can relate this to a lot of things in life, but you feel like you have to organize things and put them in groups to make more sense of it. Right. Like you go, okay, like, you know, I have these types of games. Well, I'm going to clearly indicate this is its own group. But then you almost sometimes, like I said, the issue that you run into a lot is that you start making like assumptions or you almost like make, you know, they're in the same group, but you almost try to split them up, like make them as far distance from the group as possible, but they're still in it. So being like, you know, we talk about a lot of like the the envelope games that we get sent to us, like Scarlet Envelope, or you know, like when we did uh, the Wish You Were Here series for Emporium, about or to do escape mail, escape mails, yeah. any of the mail, like the ones you get in the mail, like you know, those are very they feel very different than the like detective, you know, the at home killer, you know, like the killer boxes and all those types of things. But they, they but they are achieving trying to achieve the same goal, and they're in the same space. They just you almost instinctively want to put them in their own spots and try to duke them out against each other and not other groups. But I think you have to at points because I think, you know, what things can bring to your, to your, like what games can bring to your enjoyment, your time and the experience you get is different in all of them. And I think sometimes you can't just look at one series and go, okay, I'm only going to play like, it's not like you have to be on teams. It's not like a a twilight movie where there's team Jacob (laughs) and team Edward. Like, I can love Hunter Killers and love at-home games. I don't have to be like a, well, if you play, you know, um, Unlocked, you can't play, you know, uh, Exits. You know, like, you know, there are people who do feel that way, and that, but you don't have to. Like, sure. You, you can ask Jared. I will literally play any game that is presented to me. I, I love them all. I think they're fun. I think that's, but I think, yeah, I, th- I think we just like organizing things in the groups. I think it's just common. And I think the other part of this is I think there is just such a heavy following of crime. Correct. That is its own genre. So I think that's the temptation for us to want to treat this differently. Sure. But you know, you and I know when we go through our criteria, everybody's on working on the same criteria. It's the exact same thing. It's yeah. the exact same thing regardless. But I just think it's so interesting whether it's because crime has such a strong following or maybe because it's so visceral and close to us, it's just fascinating to, to to dive into the reasons of what really makes this such a phenomena. Why why yeah. is this such a thing for not just us as puzzle game players, but for us as people? And maybe we'll start a philosophy channel uh, podcast yeah. in another episode. But well, yeah, I mean, it's I think one of the most interesting parts that I I actually brought up when we first started playing the series is that. I'm not used to these type of games. And I think I almost want to treat it. Like you said, you want to treat it as your own. And I'm like almost going in like, like wanting to make it something like, okay, well, like we ran into our own issues when we played it that we felt like oh, this isn't like the other games we played and they're not, they are nothing like, you know, the other games we played were like, after the first episode, you're not given the answer, you know, like, you know, we're so used to, I think for us, sometimes we're so used to playing other types of experiences that we, we learned a lot from playing like a killing affair like, you know, we felt maybe at times that we didn't have all the information, but then we had to keep reminding ourselves, like, that's the point of the game. The game is that it's supposed to take you, f- like, hours on hours to make that connection. Not, you know, in other games where you have an hour to solve a box. Right. You know, and it, it's very, you know, not clearly given to you, but the point of the game is that you just to do it an hour. This is supposed to for you to think about it a long time. I agree. No, I think that's really good. I think that's really good. Well... Zach, you're off the hot seat. That's all I have for you today. I think this is the best one I've ever had, to be honest. At least I felt the most confident in this one. (laughs) Good, then I'll keep making up questions. Oh, no. Well, that's going to wrap us up for Puzzles to the People. Hang around. We've got questions to creators coming up next. There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators. Dude, I played the best game last night. Um, Jared? I thought we played all our games together. Well, well, traditionally we do, but this game was designed to be played by yourself. It's called Box One, and it's a new game from Neil Patrick Harris and Theory 11. Jared, I'm hurt. 
what am I supposed to just believe that there's clearly this made up story of a game that's meant for only one person? And you couldn't even come up with something more clever than just box one. Okay, you know what? I'm done. Call me when there's a box two. Well, if you're not salty and you're looking for a truly awesome single player experience, head to your local Target to pick up box one. If you don't have or know what Target is, beg Angela Lawson Scott to ship you a copy internationally. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. It is, as always, our time for questions for creators. And lucky you all, we have another fantastic creator designer with us today. But hold on a second. I'm going to let her introduce herself in a second. So tell us your name and how your company came into existence. My name is Shenandoah Million, and I um, began writing for A Killing Affair and created A Killing Affair. It'll be a year and a half, I believe now, ago, because I played a few games and thought I could do better. I've learned a lot since then, but that's really as simple as it is. There wasn't just a, I like to be, I'm a big DIYer, so I like to craft and create and write and and put things together. And um, it's always been a good outlet for my other position. And um once I started digging into writing, I just dove in and had a blast. Why did you decide to create a murder mystery box set? I wanted to come up with an investigative style where players had the ability to play a game that was structured as if they were a detective, not as if they were just a brother of somebody or a sister, somebody receiving a a mystery that it was more on a detective style, kind of how they want to become a detective and be able to create that feeling of I'm really on the police force and I'm really part of um, finding the criminal and getting justice for the person who's murdered or missing or, or damaged or whatever the story might line might be. So I like that style. Why did you choose to create a longer set of game episodes versus just a shorter game? I'm a big binge shower. So I really like the idea of, you know, sitting down and watching a Netflix season and, you know, you might watch three seasons of the Ozarks and, you know, you, some people like to watch it over the course of six months and some people to watch it all in one night. So I like the concept to being able to, Hey, I want to piece together this game that is going to feel like Netflix. So instead of sitting in front of a TV or in front of your computer and playing games on your computer or in front of the TV and watching TV shows, I feel like it was just a really great way to get a family or a couple friends or yourself off of the computer. I know there's some computer element, but majority is on paper and in the box to get off the computer, off the TV and still get that entertainment that you get without going out to the bars or to dinner and, and have that opportunity to continue it and continue the conversations and, and keep it going throughout a period of time. So the murder board style that build off of each other. What goes into creating a narrative for you and your team? We have our little, my partner calls it doisms, if you will. We have these little word, you know, things that we'll go through. We start with what we call the real real. And ever as we we create the story, we like to start with the person who has been wronged or is the in the wrong. And we start there and kind of develop a, well, why would he or she murder this person or these people? And then we build off of that and start that storyline. So a lot of the other pieces of the puzzle, so the backstory, the the real real is always is where we base everything off of. And then all the fluff and the stuff that other game players might call red herrings, I like to call them just part of the story, are built in as we go. Or in some cases, we might have two or three storylines that are built in and we fill in the gaps in, in between. So we use um, lots of drawings and we have lots of powwows in front of our whiteboard and move things around and play around and it evolves over time. I, we put together by complete luck, a really great focus group that have, they receive an episode and play the episode and tell me their theories and their thoughts and their process. And over that period of time, the game evolves so much by the time it actually goes out. So it's really neat to see the change in the process of where we start with what we call the real, real. And then we also have to come back and say, okay, why are, what are we doing? Cause we get lost in the story too, just like everybody else does. There's times we'll sit down and write and I'll be crying because I'm, you know, in one case we have a wedding that goes bad and I'm writing her story about the wedding and I've got tears coming to my eyes because the characters just really come to life for you a lot. It's kind of neat. 
How does puzzle creation factor into creating an episodic experience? Each season has been a little different. So for me, the first season really started with the puzzle came after, or I should say the puzzle came was part of the process. And then in the second season, the puzzle came first. And then the story, we found ways to make the puzzle fit. Um, we're trying to do kind of do both in this scenario. So we're, we're creating a, a storyline where the puzzle is coming after the story and is part of that, okay, why would there be a conversation that would be coded in the scenario? And why would it be coded and how would it be coded? So that just because we know so much more than we did than we wrote season one, Season one was, well, here's a really cool puzzle. How do we fit it, right? Where now it's more, okay, let's make it flow better. And I, I feel like we've done a good job and we're, we're creating a better job at that. Maybe some players feel differently. Everybody is so unique. Everybody's so different in what they love and hate about each um, game that they play. So, um, but they're all a little bit different. So what are the future plans for a killing affair? Well, our, we, I know if you're playing, you can see each season in their titles. So the titles have a lot to do with, you know, obviously the second playing with fire is about arson and, um, and arsonist literally wreaks havoc in lovely city. So it's a neat, um, completely different. I don't think I've ever seen anything done like that in any of the games that I've played anyway. I mean, and there's so many different ones, so maybe I just haven't come across it. And then the season three is about missing people. So it just kind of takes another twist on more of a play of time. You know, you gotta, you're playing against the clock a little bit and adds a little bit of um, excitement as you're, you kind of are transported back into time, into the mystery versus um, you're playing in that specific game and you're a murder that hasn't been solved in the past. So um, it's a little bit different that way. Season four is um, going to be holiday game and a one box game. So we're trying, We our goal is that it's an elevated game with a little, little bit higher of a cost, but it is one episode, not multi-episodes. And that will wrap up our, our Lovely City series. We have other series that we're planning on spinning off and we're really excited about them. So we're looking forward to finalizing Lovely City, but um, that the details of that we're still, we're, we're not ready to share yet. What games are you playing? What else have you been enjoying? What should our listeners definitely check out, obviously, besides A Killing Affair? Currently, I... Um, you know, right now I'm not playing any. We're writing a ton. I try to. We try to stop and play. The latest one I picked up was um, was the full deck. And I know you guys just a review on that one a lot. I didn't finish the... I, to me, I look at it like there's three parts. I got part one done. I got part two almost done. I feel like I got it done, but I felt like I missed something there. So I'm still not... I, and then set aside, I haven't gotten to part three, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a ton of fun. It was probably one of my top favorites. And prior to that, we just did box one and I was just really... on. I, I couldn't... I was blown away by how it surprised me because usually there's no surprises. The games are like, oh yeah, obviously there's something inside the box or, you know, there's or hiding under the, the trap door. Of the box. There's certain things like that. You just kind of, after we played three or four of them, we've seen it already. You know, we've seen the, the certain, the UV lights and whatever other surprises that are in the boxes. So um, it's neat when you get a couple of things that you're just like, holy shit, I didn't expect that at all. So, and I felt like box one did a lot of surprises for me. I suppose you got to beep out the shit, sorry. Twice. <laughs> well, Shenandoah, thanks so much for being with us today. Yes. If you're interested in picking up A Killing Affair, you can head over to akillingaffair.com. Don't forget that A at the beginning. And they've got a couple of different seasons out right now. And it sounds like, according to Shenandoah, some really cool stuff coming out in the future. Yes. We'll definitely be looking forward to play another season and checking in with y'all down the road. For us, man, you know what you can do to us? us excellent crime solvers go on to your computer right now or on your phone find our podcast and just hit that subscribe button that helps us out so tremendously as we continue to grow this and, and get to meet cool new people who are interested in joining in these really cool names you can also shoot us a like on facebook just find us at puzzling company or on instagram that would be dope too. Or check us out at puzzlingcompany.com. And if you don't do those things, I will find you and you will like us. <laughs> you will. Uh, our next crime episode features the uh, murderous podcast co-host and his desperate attempt to force people to like our podcast. I will do it. <laughs> but that's going to be it for us today, guys. We're so thankful y'all are tuning in with us. Next week, 
come hang out with us. We'll be playing a game from the Great White North. Yes. Escape Mail. Exciting to get back to some of our friends in Canada. Mm-hmm. That's going to wrap us up for today, but we'll see you next week. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. This has been Globe Media Network Podcast.